Uh, we are quickly approaching Easter. It's hard to believe. When, you know, when you start uh, the season of Lent, uh, beginning with Ash Wednesday, it always seems like Easter is so far away, particularly if you participate in some sort of fast. You look the 46 or 5 days into the future and you wonder if it's ever going to actually arrive, right? Uh, when we fast, of course, if it doesn't cost you anything, if it's not difficult, then you're not fasting right. Um, and so when you decide that you're going to give something up for 45 or 6 days, it seems like a very daunting task. But then as the Sundays pass, you know, you kind of start to count down. And at some point in the, in the season, you get to the point where you're like, wow, I cannot believe that Easter is just around the corner. So believe it or not, next Sunday is actually Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter, uh, and we're going to do some exciting things um, for that next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that um, is, of course, on the 17th Easter Sunday, and uh, we are so excited to uh, be able to have our first Easter gathering in um, our new space. Uh, and so I want to encourage you today to be thinking about uh, people who you might extend an invitation uh, to come and join us for Easter Sunday. As I said um, earlier, Easter is a day where people who uh, are not in the habit of coming to church um, either consider coming to church or actually do go to church. And so um, inviting people uh, on that Sunday in particular might be a way uh, to entice them uh, to actually come uh, instead of ignoring our invitations uh, as a, on a normal Sunday. Uh, today, we're going to um, be looking here in a few minutes at Matthew chapter 7. Um, so if you want to turn there or flip there on your phone. Um, but as we are uh, in the season of Lent and talking about fasting, uh, we, I want to do is what we have talked about almost every Sunday so far, is the difference between earning versus effort. Right? In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, um, there is no way for us to earn anything. Now, that's, for many of us, somewhat of a daunting thing. There's no way for us to earn anything, because for many of us, we are in the habit of earning, right? We do what we need to do in order to receive what we want to receive. But the fact of the matter is, in the kingdom of heaven, everything that is, exists in the kingdom of heaven is freely given. The only response to the things of the kingdom of heaven is to accept them. And so we need to understand that when we fast or when we pray, or when we read scripture, or when we show up to church, or when we uh, pay our tithe or offer our time, we're not doing that to earn something. We're doing that to put forth the effort in the kingdom. And as we give effort to the ways of Jesus, slowly, remember, God is never in a hurry, 
Okay? There's not a passage of Scripture anywhere from Genesis to Revelation which suggests that God is in a hurry. Right? When Jesus was talking to the disciples about uh, his return, they all assumed that it was going to come quickly. Right? There are many mentions in the New Testament where they believed that they were going to see the return of Jesus before they passed. And here, some 2,000 years later, we're still making that same declaration. Right? But God is never in a hurry. And so slowly, through discipline after discipline after discipline, through prayer after prayer after prayer, through scripture application, through scripture application, by scripture application, God slowly, fully forms us into the image of Jesus for the sake of others. And so as we fast this Lenten season, remember Jesus he didn't say, if you fast. He didn't say, it would be a good idea if you considered fasting. What did he say? When you fast, right? Suggesting that for followers in the kingdom, that at some point you would participate in a fast. It is an expectation of the kingdom. The spiritual disciplines enable us to see clearly. And so when we fast, Jesus says, it enables us to see clearly what it is that God is calling us to do. And what we all know to be true is that if we aren't consistent in our spiritual disciplines, we will fail to see clearly. And so today we come in our series on the Sermon on the Mount to uh, what for many of us, if not all of us, is a difficult task. But nonetheless, Jesus offers it. Jesus didn't shy away from difficult tasks because he knew that his spirit within us, that if we could get a hold of the fact that the spirit of Jesus is within us, displacing our selfishness, our brokenness, the ways in which we are prone to frustration with the fruit of the kingdom of heaven, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, if I didn't say that, self-control, all of those, right? That if, if, if we would understand that and do the disciplines we need to for that uh, to be manifest in our lives, that we could achieve by the power of the Holy Spirit whatever it is that Jesus was calling us to. So he didn't shy away from the difficult things. And so in Matthew chapter 7, he begins by saying, do not judge or you too will be judged. That's pretty straightforward, right? Um, and he continues, uh, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will what? See clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It's an interesting way for Jesus to end that section on judgment. Anybody ever thought about what does Jesus mean when he says, do not give dogs what is sacred? The ability to judge, passing judgment, is sacred. It's a sacred thing that only God is able to do. It is one of the things that sets God apart from all of the rest of us, is his ability to judge, which is for us good news, not because we are perfect and have it all together, but because God's judgment is mercy. God's judgment is grace, and it is freely given to us. So when we assume the position of passing judgment on another, we are taking something that is sacred and we are diminishing it to be used how we see fit or to be misused as we see fit, ending up creating frustration instead of the beauty. Now, when we're talking about spiritual disciplines, talking about fasting, talking about prayer, and how those things enable us to see clearly, one of the ways that spiritual discipline helps us to see clearly is by helping us identify what we need to unlearn in order that the way of Jesus is formed in us. This is what happens when Nicodemus shows up at Jesus' doorstep in the middle of the night. He tells Nicodemus that he needs to be born again. Nicodemus, a full-grown man, a man of stature in his community, he comes to Jesus seeking some sort of validation. Some, he has a question that compels him to come to Jesus' door, and Jesus tells him, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You have to begin again. You have to unlearn what you know and how you have related to God up until this point in order to learn the ways of the kingdom of heaven. He had to unlearn so that he was able to see clearly and follow the way of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we pray a prayer to ask God to help us identify what we should unlearn, lots of things will eventually come to our attention. Ways in which we have, uh, in which we have developed habits of treating those that we love. Maybe we don't give them grace and patience and kindness. Ways in which we turn a blind eye towards habits that have formed in our lives over time, which we might be able to justify that they're not as bad as some, but you know maybe they're not quite as good as others, but we need to unlearn those habits and patterns. 
And if we were to pray this prayer, God, what should I unlearn this week? One of the common areas in which we struggle, which we need, all of us need some unlearning, is in this issue of judgment. Right? Jesus said it very clearly, do not judge. Right? It can't get any more clear and concise than that. But as with a lot of substantial things in our lives, if not all substantial things in our lives, clear and concise usually reveal complex and robust layers beneath the surface that we need wisdom and insight on to be able, and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome. While Jesus wasn't talking about a judge as in what our society calls judge. It's interesting that we come to this passage of Scripture at a time where our country is looking to confirm a nomination for the Supreme Court. Out of all of the political things that our country does, the one that fascinates me the most is the confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court. Have you ever paid attention to the questions and the scrutiny that is offered when someone comes up for confirmation hearings on the Supreme Court. Um, this, when, when the hearings were going on a week or two ago, um, I found a radio station that would play, that just play the hearings throughout the day. And every time I got into my truck, I would listen to them. And uh, there were a couple of times when Evelyn, uh, our oldest daughter, was riding around with me. And um, at first she was like, Dad, this is so boring. You know, can we talk about something or can we listen to some music? And I said, no, Evelyn, you really need to pay attention to this. This is so fascinating. And of course, she kind of rolled her eyes and played it off. But by the end of it, she was like brought into the uh, compelling nature of the hearings uh, for uh, the most recent uh, candidate for the Supreme Court. Uh, no matter who the nominee is, it is so fascinating to listen to the way in which the senators evaluate their knowledge and try to understand the intricacy of the candidate's knowledge for, uh, to be a judge in the Supreme Court. And they are grilled at every dot and tittle of the law. The standard of knowledge to be confirmed to the Supreme Court is so unbelievably high that it is truly remarkable that there is anyone who could qualify for it. And no matter what your personal views, and notice I said personal views, not judgments, right? but no matter your personal views on whichever candidate is up at whichever point in time, the level at which they're, in, they're scrutinized is incredible. All of this to say that for someone to be qualified for the position of judge, they must demonstrate a discipline to the law and a knowledge of the law that very few people could actually achieve. And of course, this is the standard for what we call the highest court in the land because they are the final say in getting the most just and fair 
outcome. People's lives depend on their ability as a member of the Supreme Court to be able to judge and to judge fairly. So, of course, that scrutiny would exist. But isn't it then interesting that when it comes to us making judgments about others, that we are often tempted to succumb to throwing around judgments towards people without even seeking a proper understanding of their situation. Us human beings, we are great at a lot of things. I try to tell my children whenever they do something well how great of a job that they did. But as great as we could be, and as wonderful things as we could possibly achieve in life, the one thing that we are not capable of as human beings is to have the position to judge. It's not in our DNA. And the reason why is because we are incapable of holding ourselves to the same standard that we hold others to, right? I want to do a little bit of uh, thought experiment, and you don't have to say anything where there's a blank, okay? This is uh, a rhetorical question here. Uh, But the grace that we afford ourselves is that when I make a mistake, I'm only human. But when you step out of line, you are a what comes to mind, right? This is how our culture tends to operate. We give grace to ourselves. We give grace to those closest to us, those who we identify well with, those who think, act, look, live like us. And then when all of a sudden someone who we're not as closely aligned with does something, we jump at the opportunity or we're tempted to jump at the opportunity to hurl accusations towards them and create standards that we are unwilling to live up to on ourselves. When Jesus was asked the most, what was the most important commandment, which is a legal question, right? He's asked, what is the most important commandment? And he responds to love God with your heart, soul, and might and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was being scrutinized when he was asked this question. He was being reviewed by a jury of his peers Not in a formal setting like what we see for the Supreme Court uh, candidates, but nonetheless to try and either incriminate Jesus or so that he would say something that would compel them beyond a shadow of a doubt to know that he is who he says that he is. And the first part of it, he nailed it. Right? He hit the nail right on the head. It was one of those one whack, the nail goes all the way into the board situations. Right? You can go watch on YouTube. But he didn't stop there. He followed it up with a counterpoint, so to speak. That to love God with your heart, soul, and might is 
wrapped up in how you love your neighbor as yourself. This is why confession, the confession of our inadequacies, is a staple in the kingdom of heaven. I recently uh, started a new spiritual practice in my own life. I set my phone to three times a day, sends me an alert at nine, at noon, and at three o'clock. And the alert says, stop and pray. And when that alert goes off, whatever I'm doing, uh, if I'm driving, I don't stop because um, that would be dangerous. Right? But I'll silence everything or, uh, you know, avert my attention from my computer screen or stop the conversation, whatever it is, I'll pause, take a few deep breaths, and pray what is known as the Jesus prayer, which comes from uh, Scripture where it's the prayer that cries out, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. And the reason why I have recently adopted that as a frequent practice is because I realize that if I am ever, even if for a moment, if I ever forget that I am in need of mercy, then I am likely to fall into the trap of holding others to a standard that I am unwilling to hold myself to. This is the Part of the scripture we read where Jesus is talking about this, the speck versus the plank. Why do you judge the speck in your neighbor's eye when you have a plank in your own? When we shift the focus away from the speck that is in everyone else's eye to the plank in our own, we discover how far we have to go to live in sync with the kingdom. But more importantly, we are reminded of the immense, unending grace of God. The season of Lent is a time to repent and reflect and grow, but it should also be a reminder to us of the faithfulness and grace of God. God does not leave us in our mess, but instead stoops down in humility to draw us near in the midst of it. God is gracious to forgive us, and the Spirit is present to help us grow and transform into the image of Christ for the sake of others. If the measure God is using to judge us is that of grace, how much more should we extend that grace to those around us? us. May we remember this morning the grace that Christ has extended to us and extend it to others in turn. May grace ultimately be our measure as we seek to see all to come to a place of healing and wholeness.
We will never be able to accomplish that if we are determined to judge others. Would you pray with me? God, we are grateful that you didn't give us all of these expectations and send us on our way because we recognize that in light of your holiness, we are totally unable to achieve the things of your kingdom if not for the presence of your Holy Spirit within us. And so Jesus, as we seek to be attentive to what it is that you are calling us to, who it is you are calling us to notice, who it is you are calling us to extend grace to, we ask that as you reveal that to us, that you would also empower us through your presence to be responsive to what it is that you are calling us to. Jesus, for some of us, not judging actually begins with not judging ourselves. At times we can be hardest on ourselves. We can say things to ourselves that we would never dream of saying to anyone else but we repeat them over and over and over again in our minds. And so today, for any of us here who are struggling in the area of judging ourselves, I pray that you would help us to unlearn that by the power again of your Holy Spirit in order that we might be able to live not according to our assessment of ourselves, but according to your grace and mercy that is abundant and for us all. We ask these things today, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen.